welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and today I'm so happy to share a recent and returning Firebird Book Award-winning author with you. He is Larry Freeland, and his book is titled Legacy of Honor, The Patriarch, A World War I Saga. Larry was born in Canton, Ohio. Since his father was an officer with the U.S. Air Force, he grew up on many Air Force bases across the country. And after graduating from high school at Ramey Air Force Base in Puerto Rico, he attended the University of South Florida in Tampa. He graduated in 1968 with a degree in mathematics and a concentration in finance. He then joined the U.S. Army and served one tour in Vietnam with the 101st Airborne Division as an infantry officer and a CH-47 helicopter pilot. He is the recipient of the Distinguished Flying Cross and one Oak Leaf Cluster, the Air Medal with 10 Oak Leaf Clusters, the Bronze Star, and various other military service medals. Larry was a previous Firebird Book Award winner with his book titled Chariots in the Sky. And we've got so much more to talk about today, I want to get going. Welcome back, Larry. Well, thank you, Pat. I appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and... uh converse and want to say congratulations on once again on winning the firebird book award and you also won the cash prize grand prize that was exciting yes it was i was uh, incredibly uh, impressed and, and gratified by uh what, what all i was uh nominated for and won uh, it, it uh, gave me some satisfaction i really feel good about this book being my first one in a trilogy and of course dedicated to my grandfather and the many uh, that served in world war one so we can certainly get into that as we go on. But, yeah, it was, it was very rewarding to uh, receive all these uh, awards, if you will. Uh, well, thank you for joining us because the, the entry fee goes towards our pillowcase project for the women and children's shelters. So having you join us makes a big difference in other people's lives as well. So I kind of think it's a win-win-win for everyone. I agree, 100%. Yes, thank you. Well, let's before we dig in your book, let's just do a little digging behind. Let's go backwards a little bit because you mentioned your grandfather. Just give us a bit of your background, especially as it concerns your military family. I'm the oldest of three sons, and uh, my grandfather, uh, we'll come back to that, but he served in World War One as an infantryman, and they called them doughboys back then, uh, the other combatants in that war. And then his son, my father, uh, served in World War II, Korea, the Cold War. He made a career out of the uh, Air Force, uh, 30 years. And then, of course, myself, a short tour in the Army in Vietnam. And then both my brothers, my middle brother was a Navy pilot for 27 and a half years. And my younger brother did two years in the Army, uh, then was a special agent with the federal government. Uh, mandatory retirement of 50. And then after uh, 9-11 happened, he uh, signed on with private security company and did two 18-month tours in uh, Iraq as a linguistics, linguistics and an expert and a weapons and <clears throat> explosive expert. Uh, and then came home, spent six months, and then went back again to Afghanistan in the same capacity so his three tours over there during uh, for many years uh, were out on what they called FOBs, forward operating bases. So uh, he he was involved in that a little bit. So we've got three generations of men in my family that served in some capacity. All of us uh, saw a little bit of action at some point. Uh, my grandfather, uh, when I was a younger fellow, uh, dad 
says it was an Air Force, uh, in the Air Force, he was a senior officer. And uh, in his earlier days, when I was younger, he, he was gone more than he was home. So uh, raising, helping to raise uh, um, me and my two brothers fell pretty much to my mom. And when he was gone on extended tours, uh, my grandparents would uh, help fill the void, uh, if you will, a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> when I was in the fifth grade, uh, my uh, dad was uh, sent to Greenland on a unaccompanied tour for thir- uh, 13 months. So dad uh, put us uh, in Louisville, a little town outside of Canton, to live next door to his parents. So we we spent a little over a year there. I was always close to my granddad, but that, at that point in time, uh, we came real close because he was kind of like a surrogate father to us. And uh, he uh, he was a big man and worked in a steel mill uh, most of all his life till he retired, and then they moved down to Central Florida. But uh, back then, uh, he uh, was a member of a group in town that of other World War One veterans, and they liked to play poker and drink a little bit once a month on a Saturday evening, uh, they would get together and go down to the courthouse on the second floor and uh, take over the rec room and uh, set up and, and eat and drink a little bit, smoke their pipes, and play poker all night. Well, many occasions, my granddad would take me with him, and uh, over time, I got to know these fellows a little bit. You know, they put up with me, and I'd watch them play until I got tired, watch their little telly for a while, eat their food, and then pass out on the, one of the couches in the corner over there. Next morning, my granddad wake me up. We go get breakfast and go home. But the kind of the purpose of this story is that uh, on many occasions over that time period, I, I would uh, wake up for whatever reason, two, three, four o'clock in the morning, briefly, and I'd hear them talking a little bit. My back would be to them, and they didn't really know I was awake. At least I don't think they did. And I'd hear them talking. And at that time in the morning, they they'd been drinking some, and they would be sharing some of their stories and frustrations and so on about their time in the service uh, back in World War One, And um, at the time, I was too young to really understand all that, but I did have an appreciation for these fellows and what they did. And then when, I, of course, I go, go into service and do my time in Vietnam, I have much better appreciation for, for many of the things they had, uh, they had said, and I could still remember some of it. And I drew on that uh, to write my first book, The Patriarch, which is that in World War One, so some of what's in the book uh, was uh, somewhat of a uh, from my overhearing some of their conversation. I mean, I did a lot of research, uh, trying to come up with many of the uh, dramatic scenes in the book and the, and the historical events and so on. But uh, making it personal like that from uh, hearing these men talk added an element to it that um, I think is pretty pretty interesting. Oh my gosh, it goes way beyond any kind of research you could have conducted. Wow, what a special time. As you were telling that story, I was getting a mental picture of all of this. You know, I could just see the smoke in the room and this little boy (laughs) on the couch. I could just feel and sense all of it. It's kind of magical, actually. You almost had to do something with that kind of an experience and, and put it on paper. You couldn't just let that be your own memory. No, I, you're right. Uh, and this book gave me uh, gave me that opportunity uh, to draw on that. Uh, and uh, it's funny how you go through life and think different events in your life that sometimes come back later on and have more meaning, or maybe you build on them, or you go in a direction with them. 
course, this was certainly one of them. As a fifth grader, I never would have imagined <laughs> that uh, it would have <laughs> served as some information for a book. Oh, for sure. That's the beauty of life. You never know, you know, what's going to make an impact later on. I don't know if we talked about this the last time, but Doughboys, do we know why they were called Doughboys? You know, I, I really don't know. I didn't um, didn't get into that that much. I think it had something to do with, you know, the, the Americans when they came over and entered the war. A typical American back then was pretty big compared to the French and the English and the uh, and the Belgians who were on the uh, Allied side, if you will. Uh, uh, they just generally ate better, had more more, more uh, types of food to eat, and flour and and dough, if you will. Uh, Bread and biscuits was one of their mainstays in their in their mess hall menus, if you will. So, I think some of my research indicated it had a little bit to do with that, uh, but I'm, I can't swear to that. But that's what they were called. You know, the combatants gave each others each other names. Uh, the derivatives of which I'm really not sure, but uh, the British were referred to sometimes as the linings, and the French were referred to sometimes as the uh, as the frogs and the Germans, they went by many names. Uh, Krauts was one, uh, uh, the Huns, the Bosch, the Jerry's. So uh, they they had multiple names for the Germans. And uh, the, the derivatives, of those, I, I'm really not yeah, sure about. Some of them you could stand back and say, yeah, I, could, I can understand that a little bit. But mm-hmm. anyway, they all had names for themselves. It didn't carry forward into World War II as far as the Americans. Uh, you know, call them doughboys. They, right. they didn't use that term then. Right. The, the Germans still had some of those, some terms, of those they, terms they threw around. But, uh, <laughs> anyway. So Legacy of Honor, this is uh, book one in the series. So you knew right at the beginning that you wanted to make this a series? Yes. Uh, after I did Chariots in the Sky, and uh, and it, it's, done, it's done quite well, and I was proud of that. Uh, and I've really enjoyed the process. And my publisher, uh, Frank Eastland of Published Authority, said, Larry, you got any other story ideas? Because this is a good book, and you might want to consider uh, moving forward with another uh, another project. I said, well, you know, Frank, I do have this idea. And I said, it kind of centers around a, an American family with three generations of men that serve in our wars and conflicts uh, over a period of about 100 years, starting with World War One." And it would be loosely based on uh, my family's uh, history in this area. And it would be historical fiction. And he said, well, that sounds like a really good idea. Why don't you write up a little summary and let me look at it? So I came up with a summary and said, here it is. I think it'll be a trilogy. Book one would cover this period. Book two, this period. Book three, this period. And he said, I love it. He said, I'll write your first manuscript and let's see what we got. So I sat down and penned... Uh, Took me about a year, but then the first one, the Patriarch, and uh, you know, of course, uh, we've got it out there now, and uh, very proud of this book. Uh, it's doing well. It's uh, the first in the series. Uh, the the main character, the protagonist in this one, is Sam McCormick, and he'll have a son named Sean, and he's introduced uh, towards the end of this book one. And he becomes fascinated uh, with flying, and, and uh, book two is that is is uh, basically dedicated uh, to uh, his uh, uh, his efforts and service in the military, which is loosely based on my father's. And he's an aviator, uh, and he'll serve in World War II. 
flying out of England with B-17s over Germany and France and so on. And then uh, when the war ends there, he shipped over to Okinawa to fly B-29s over to Japan, but it'll get over there just in time uh, for the uh, war to end when they, of course, drop the bombs. But he'll stay and he'll get out for a while, get mar- have married, have some children, get called back in when the Korean War starts and to fly B-29s out of Okinawa over Korea. And then he'll end up making it a career uh, in, the, in the Air Force and be involved in a lot of different um, uh, operations and historical events that occur. And that's book two, and it's called Legacy of Honor, The Air Warrior. That's that. I've turned that manuscript over to my publisher a couple weeks back, and uh, we're gearing up to go through the editing process. And with everything that's involved in getting the book ready, we're looking at hoping to have it out sometime later this summer. Wow. And book book three is titled the uh, will be titled the uh, Descendants, and and book, uh, Sean from book two will have three sons, and book three will will basically involve them serving in Vietnam and our conflicts and stuff through modern day. And uh, so that one I haven't read. <laughs> Obviously, I haven't started that one yet. I'm a little tired. I want to get a little rest here and <laughs> dive into that one. Uh, but that'll be book three. So. Uh, uh, been a good process, a long process. I've really enjoyed it. a lot of research and learned a lot. Mm-hmm. Kind of growing up in a military family and and and, and uh, knowing a lot of veterans over my life uh, lifetime. Um, I thought I knew a little bit about World War One, certainly more about World War Two, but my gosh, the research uh, really, really uh, got into it. And so many more things I learned, and went, some of this can't really happen, but uh, it did. <laughs> Well, it, this truly is a legacy of honor, the writing of these three books to cover your family's history is is truly a legacy that you're leaving. Yes, I, I think so. Uh, the original title was different, and I had some writer, readers that are really great at uh, looking at drafts uh, that are friends of mine, and one was a, was a lady, and I won't name her, but... Uh, she came back with, Larry, your title's a little off, and after reading your manuscript, you might want to consider this. And she threw out some options. And uh, there, I can't remember all the options, but I, I looked, looked at them and came up with, you know, you got this one and this one I like. If we put them together, take this word here and that word here, I think we've got a winner, and, and it was Legacy of Honor. And uh, I just... Uh, over a lot because I just think it's a really great uh, title for this this particular trilogy. You do over a lot. That is, <laughs> it's an awesome name, Legacy of Honor, and then to make each each uh, book have its own title, like the Patriarch. It's just it's kind of genius. Yeah, it just all kind of fell together. Uh, book two, I originally called the Sun. I mean, that was the way we we thought it would go, and then after I wrote it kept saying, you know, it doesn't have enough of a ring, and uh, he's clearly an aviator, and the whole book is in and out of his aviation experiences, and uh, quite dramatic with World War II and Korea, and a lot of people don't know much about the Cuban Missile Crisis, but there's a lot in there towards the end of the book about that, that just people's eyes will pop when they uh, read one of the chapters in there, (laughs) called Are We Gonna Die Tonight? Uh, And, uh, you know, I need something more that more portrays what the book's about. My wife and I were on a walk a couple, well, about a month ago, and kicking it around, and she says, well, 
what about the Air Warrior? Because she's, she's my first editor and yeah. reads through it as I'm turning it over. You know, the more we talked about it, the more I liked it. So I called Frank, and I said, you know, I think I'm going to change this title. I told him about it. He said, yeah, that sounds pretty good. Yeah. So we changed it to the Air Warrior. So in this book, we're talking about Sam, the main mm-hmm. character. He entered the war with a purpose, feeling that he wanted to get revenge for his parents' death. And then it changes and morphs by the time he he leaves and comes back to the U.S. Everything looks a little bit different to him. And I'm imagining that's probably pretty typical for many. Oh, absolutely. Uh, One of the purposes for writing this trilogy through three generations in the hundred years of our history, if you will, is to give the reader a little better appreciation for what the men and women did when they did serve these various conflicts and the prices they paid for it and uh, how they tried to adjust when they came back and, if you will, get back into civilian life or pick up with their lives. In some cases, they make a career of it, but they retire it at some point, out, even if they make a career out of it. And anyone that serves in the military and, and, and sees action, if you will, or combat, it doesn't matter which war, they're all, the bottom line is, you're changed by, to some extent by it, depending on the experiences you have. And they never really go away. So how does people deal with that? I mean, in the case of uh, Sam here in the book, you know, he loses his parents and uh, he, wants, he wants some revenge. But then he's fighting in the trenches and he's fighting the Germans. And after a while, you just get, you know, this has got to end. <laughs> I can't take it anymore kind of thing. So, um, yeah, people change. And uh, then their experiences, they carry forward with them. Uh, the rest of their life. When, when these fellows returned after World War One, and there was over four million men that served in, in the American Army in, in the war, most of them saw action of some type, and in and out of the trenches, if you will. And these fellows were uh, they were scarred for life from experience. Uh, you know, just like PTSD wasn't wasn't a, uh, identified as that, or even recognized as an issue. They called it shell shock back then. Right. And uh, there wasn't anything they could do for them, but all of them were subjected to uh, poor health conditions at some point, particularly if they lived in the trenches or spent time in the trenches, and then if they got gas. So many of these fellows came back home with respiratory and digestive issues that they lived with the rest of their lives or had to, and there wasn't any VA. There wasn't any real medical facilities that could treat this stuff because it was new. And uh, they were on their own in many cases and just had to endure and, and work with their local doctors. And hopefully uh, they got you know, got some attention that would help them out. I think after World War II, the, the, the American uh, military uh, came up with a lot of stuff for the veterans. And the World War I veterans that were still around got pulled into that arena, if you will, but my gosh, these guys were already 20, 25 years out of the service. Their health issues hadn't gotten any better over that time, and it only gotten worse. My own grandfather ended up in a VA hospital at the end of his life, uh, towards the end of his life, dealing with his respiratory and digestive issues. for lack of a better word, was a beneficiary of what had taken place after World War II to establish a VA and to establish VA hospitals and medical care and other other uh, things for these these men and women who served uh, you know, to fall back on. Yep. 
But I even think of my own dad who was in the army in, in World War II. And towards the end of his life, he was in the hospital. He had cancer and he was dying. And they did some kind of a medical procedure on him. And he was still kind of under anesthesia. And here he was talking about George in the foxhole. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's that's still with this person. And, you know, through that subconscious mind, it's, it was coming out. It was just quite stunning, actually. Yeah, it's back to, uh, I, uh, it just doesn't go away. It yeah. gets buried. And I think the older you uh, get, uh, uh, it's, it's further back in there and it's not, not in front of you all the time. But it's amazing how sometimes things can just trigger uh, mm-hmm. an event that you'll recall, my God, mm-hmm. it happened yesterday yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Uh, I know for the first couple of years after I got out of the service, I had kind of a, kind of a rough time. I think most, most people do, and uh, you, you adjust. Uh, but there's occasionally I have a trigger out there, and I go, I have a little flashback. Oh, my gosh, I didn't need that. <laughs> so true. And that's what's important about your book is that it really does bring up the human aspect because, you know, when you learn history as a student in school, you're learning the chronological what happened. There's not much that's shown as as I say, that human aspect, what did it feel like to be there and witness that? And what was it like to come home? Mm-hmm. So I think exactly. what, what you're doing is really important to bring that about. Well, in this book, I've had a lot of uh, very complimentary feedback. And uh, um, one of the themes seems to be occasionally that, well, I, I you know, the first part of the book is in the war and in the trenches. And you know, I, I couldn't wait to get out of the trenches, kind of a thing. Uh, and I said, "Well, yeah, you had to. You got to read the first half of the book and really get in the trenches with these these men. You know, feel what they felt, see what they endure, had to endure, and how they handled it. So you can appreciate the second half of the book, which is how they transitioned and how they were treated when they when they came home and tried to you know pick up with their lives to move forward with their lives. Uh, so." As you read the second half, there are incidents in there that it's hard to understand why they were treated that way. One being the bonus army uh, and the bonus army mark, and then another being the little steel strikes. And there were other incidents I portray in, in the second half of the book. So here's these men that, that survived the war and went through all that, come home. You know, initially they had prayed for the, the first troops to come home and, you know, welcomed them and all that, but they felt a God about them pretty quickly. And then they, uh, a lot of the fellows just didn't get the kind of attention or respect that, uh, that they probably deserved to help them transition into their civilian careers. And some of the things they had to put up with over the next 20 years, and they got hit pretty hard with, as a whole, America did with the Depression. Right. But uh, they seemed to be the uh, a, group within the American society that bore uh, a disproportionate share of the uh, of the pain with that because a lot of them had a hard time finding jobs and keeping jobs over the years. And then, of course, the Great Depression hits, and uh, they weren't targeted so much as they were just, um, they seemed to bear the, a brunt of the job losses and the dislocations and all those things, along with a lot of other people who weren't in the service. But, but the veteran um, really had a rough time in there. So uh, you know, it wasn't all uh, easy for them when they got back. And we think of the Vietnam veterans as, as having a rough time, which they did. But all of our veteran groups seem to have their own uh, issues to work through and, and put up with and, and deal with. So 
I think it's gotten better overall, but still, still there. Yeah, if it can get better. But you're right. You know, they came home to times that weren't exactly times of prosperity. So you're hit with that as well. You know, another very underappreciated group is the at the time when women weren't so much in the military, were, were who was left behind, the, the wives and the children, yes. to have their person come home, how do you adjust and how do you deal and how do you empathize and how do you move forward? And I just think the time it was probably a, a seriously underappreciated group of people. Absolutely. Uh, book two, The Aviator, uh, The Air Warrior, uh, I, I capture some of that because... Uh, Sean has a, he's married and he has children later into the book. And I, I dive into some of that, uh, trying to give the reader a little better appreciation for what the wife, uh, mm-hmm. uh, endured and, and the children, how they were impacted. Yes. Uh, when the men, for instance, in World War II, when the men, 16 plus million men served in both theaters, combined in the both theaters. And that's a lot of, a lot of men. That's a big part of our population back then. And when they came home, uh, you know, they had to assimilate back and pick up with their lives, and a lot of them had real problems, especially uh, getting back with their families. If they were married or had children, when they left, when they come back, their children have you know, gotten older, one, two, three years older, four years, whatever it was, and their wives had to be the father and the mother, and they became more independent. A lot of them ended up working to support the war effort, so it was a tremendous adjustment uh, for families uh, uh, back uh, after these men were coming home, particularly if they were married and had families. Uh, mm-hmm. Even it, single guys coming home, picking up with their parents and their friends sure. and so on. It was, it was tough. It was really tough. I tried to capture some of that in book, too, because oh, that is an, uh, an underappreciated part of the whole mm-hmm. military experience is the, is the spouse and the family of the uh, military person. You know, as you're speaking, I'm also thinking... So it's interesting that these military families like yours continue generation after generation. You might think that, okay, after the first generation comes home and you hear and you see how difficult that is, you would think that maybe nobody else in that family would join the military and say, you know what, I'm not, I don't want to be a part of that. I'm not going to join it. It's interesting how it does become often generational that they do join the military. Yeah, there's an element of that in our society, uh, certainly is. I think, uh, the overall trend has been downward, though, since, uh, uh since the Vietnam War, mm. particularly, but following the uh, World War II, Korea had started down, and it, uh, it overall, it, it kind of went into a uh, downward co- uh, curve. Yes. How much, I don't know. Because mm-hmm. if you look today, uh, we've got one of the smallest armies, oh, uh, yeah. militaries we've had. Yep. And you know, it, it's harder to find a family that has a military member or a history of military members in it. So I think uh, it's still there, and there are a lot of them, but proportionally-wise, uh, it's, it's not as big as it used to be. For sure. Very interesting. Far. Very, very interesting. Did you learn something surprising about yourself while you were writing this book? That's a good question. You know, I have my own war experiences in Nam, which I don't talk about, but going back and researching this World War One, and then recalling my the, the conversation I overheard uh, back when I was a young man, a young boy, and then uh, all my research and personal stories of, of some of the World War One veterans I, I knew early on when I was a little older than the fifth grade, because 
uh, up through my high school days, I, there were still World War One veterans that I had come across and would talk with. Um, there was a certain amount of it I could relate to some of what they put up with, if you will, and endured, and, and uh, their perspective on things. Because uh, they called that war the war to end all wars. Mm-hmm. And uh, after that, they just didn't think it'd be possible for nations to go back at it and try to kill each other like they did in the First World War. Yeah, we did World War Two, and it was as bad as not worse uh, pretty much across the globe. Uh, and then, of course, the atomic bombs put a whole new uh, uh, spin, if you will, or, or seriousness to, to war on a global scale. And since then, we've not had major conflicts, but we just had seem like one war or skirmish after another. Uh, we just don't seem to learn. Digging me more appreciation, which I had a lot to begin with, but for my grandfather, because like I said, we and I were real close. Uh, he was a good man. Mm-hmm. I, I really, uh, when he passed, I miss him. When, you know, when I think about it, I miss him. Yes. And uh, it just gave me more, more of appreciation for what he and his fellow uh, military men that fought in World War One in the trenches I uh, put up with. Yep. Well, you're a good man as well, Larry. Well, thank you. <laughs> All right. I want to make sure as we wrap up, we're not missing anything that you wanted to highlight today. I think that, uh, I think we've covered it, uh, covered it. And, uh, I really appreciate, uh, the opportunity to talk with you again and the awards that you presented me with. And, uh, I hope this book does well out there and that people will, uh, you know, pick it up and read it and learn from it. Uh, it's certainly our history. Uh, give them a better appreciation for, you know, that period of, our, of time and what these fellows uh, did during the war and after the war. Uh, there's a lot of tidbits in the book, and I get a lot of that from people who've read it that I had no idea about this or mm-hmm. had no idea about that or I heard about this. Buying the farm, I heard that term, but I had no idea what it meant. <laughs> Just little things that I threw in there and, and bigger things and Bonus Army March. I never heard of that. You know, we have all these World War One veterans, over twelve thousand in D.C., and you got the Army. You turn the Army loose on them, to run them out, chase them out with tanks and cavalry, and club them. I mean, so there's a lot of history to learn in this book that people just have no clue, and that gives them a little more appreciation for that period of time. So I encourage them to read the book, and hopefully, uh, uh, when book two comes out, they'll pursue that and see. Uh, and enjoy it and learn from it. <laughs> I hope you share that with us as well. I'd love to have another conversation with you, hopefully. Um, also, then, share all your contact information where folks can find out more and get copies of your books. Okay. Uh, well, my website is probably the best place to start, LarryFreeland.com. And when you go to that, uh, you'll see uh, write-ups on both books. You'll see synopsis. You'll see a lot of the reviews that have been done on the, on the books and uh, some of the interviews and so forth that are out there. Uh, and then uh, there's one icon you hit, and it says buy the book. When you hit that, it'll bring up four sites. Uh, you can, it's, on, it's carried on Amazon. It'll take you right to Amazon as a book. You can order from that. It's carried on Barnes & Noble, Books a Million, Bam. And indie, uh, and it's in uh, ebook, all the platforms, and paperback. So any one of those platforms, uh, uh, you can order order either ebook or the paperback, or you can go to your local bookstore and uh, and order it there. I encourage people to do that if they do frequent a, a bookstore because they, they're they're kind of taking it on the chin the last several years uh, with with these uh, major players and particularly Amazon. But uh, any one of those will you'll be able to get the book. 
Well, we're talking with Larry Freeland. His book is titled Legacy of Honor, The Patriarch, A World War I Saga. His previous book, Chariots in the Sky, we've got a second one coming up. His website is LarryFreeland.com. I was just so excited that you won and that I was going to have this opportunity to speak with you again because I always learn from you and I look forward to doing more. Thank you so much for sharing you and your family's life with us. Well, thank you, Pat. I appreciate uh, all your fine comments there. And uh, again, I appreciate the awards and uh, giving me this opportunity to talk about it.